0: Hey, how you doing? Brian Kane here with the Mental Performance Mastery Podcast. And today my guest is Dr. Barry Davis, the head baseball coach at Ryder University in New Jersey, where he's led the Broncos to two conference tournament championships, two regular season championships, and has qualified for nine conference tournaments eight in the last 12 years. He's also a member of college baseball's elite 900 win club and six of his players have gone on to be selected in the major league baseball draft. He holds a master's degree in education and a PhD in sports leadership. Excited today to bring Dr. Barry Davis to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Barry. Thanks for having me, Brian. Yeah, excited to have you here, man. Would you kind of tell our listeners about kind of your journey and where baseball and kind of first got started?
1: Well, uh, it's funny. I'm I'm working on this other project, a book project, and I'm writing the preface and I'm and I'm trying to think and reflect on like when I was a kid. So baseball, my dad basically just takes me down to the little league field. I don't want to try out because I'm eight, eight years old. He doesn't I don't want to try out, but I think he wants me to 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 see everybody playing. And once I see everybody playing, I'm going to I'm going to do it. So I'm sitting in the truck with him. I don't know how long. And then I just say, Dad, I want to I want to try out. So from that point forward, I've been the ball's been on, gripping me. I don't think I've been gripping the ball and, uh, you know, all the way through high school, you know, college coaching. Uh, I've been doing it ever since really I was since I was eight years old and I'm 55 in a in a week.
0: Oh, well happy happy early birthday. <laughs> 55 <laughs> going on 18. Just a, fit, yes. a fitness a fitness freak, man. A guy who uh works out as much as anybody else that I know, Barry. What was it that made you realize or when was it that made you
1: realize that you wanted to be a baseball coach? Um I I think well sports has always been a kind of the connector to me uh with just my dad, you know, watching it, you know, you're sitting there watching it and it's exciting and um, I don't know how it evolved, but it just became part of my life and it, it was, became important. It became so important that it, it took over other things in my life. It, you know, it took me away from me, you know, trouble or, 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 or doing bad things or, or making bad choices. My choices were always centered around, you know, being an athlete or in athletics. And, you know, you always had rules and you always had things to, to, to follow, to be good. So I always, felt like that was that was one of the reasons that, that it kind of steered me towards coaching and then some point in college I I decided you know I don't want to be a high school teacher and coach I want to I want to do it in college I you know I want to I want to do 40 50 games I want to be really dug in on this and and learn as much as I can about it because I probably you know now I know what I didn't know uh, back then uh, but now, you know, certainly, you know, 30 plus years of doing this, you start to, you learn a lot, a lot of things.
0: You know, one of the things I know you've mentioned a lot is that you feel like it's really important to surround yourself with people who share similar goals and passions. And wh- why is that so important for you in your life and your career?
1: Well, I think, you know, like I said, one of the, one of the things I thought about before coming on is there's a lot of opportunities for me to, to go the the other way. Uh, so when I say other way, I just, I mean, who knows, I could, I could be changing carburetors in Southern Virginia, you know, you know, working and, you know, trying to race cars on a weekend in a dirt track. I mean, that, that I could have been there. Uh, but I, I just, I felt it's just, it was always be around good people, be around smart people, you know, chase and, uh, imitate the good players, the great players. I want to be like him or I want to be like her. Um, And I just think I was always just striving to be the best I can be. And that's never changed. I've always been like that. And I I don't know why. I don't really know why. Uh, But I've always been competitive. And I always want to challenge myself. Uh, Even when you visited, you know, I mean, the first workout, you and I, I mean, I want to outwork you. You want to outwork me. It doesn't, you know, so it's like, there's there's like this line that I was able to get on the other side of, uh, and it's kept me going.
0: You know and talk about being a competitor and a winner, you've won more than nine hundred games in your three decades as a coach and at what point in your career did did that confidence come as a winner and a guy who who was a nine hundred win coach
1: right uh, well, I never thought about uh, winning that many games first of all, I never thought about coaching that many games that that might have been the first thing but like like you know and you teach your clients you know it's all about the process so um you know, getting, getting into coaching and, and, and winning games. I think when I was a junior college head coach, probably my second or third year, uh, we were able to go to the division three world series and we won and somewhere between that and maybe the next year we won again, it's somewhere in 92, 93, I'm about 27 years, 28 years old. It kind of clicked that I'm, that I'm I have a chance to be good at this. I'm, I have a chance to be, you know, able to, to maybe move up. You know, I always had aspirations of moving up. I'm going to banquets and I'm hanging out with guys. I'm on this, on the table with Skip Burtman. I mean, I'm I'm actually meeting him and talking to him. He's just one example. Um, You know, and just, I'm surrounded by all these great people and I'm thinking, all right, I might be able to do this. I might, I might be able to maximize my abilities. So, and that's still going today. So it, it, you know, keeps going.
0: You know, and and along with all the achievements that you've had on the field and all the wins and the championships, the other thing I think that makes you unique is that you don't have one, you got two postgraduate degrees, a master's in education and a PhD in sports leadership. Why was pursuing these advanced degrees important for you?
1: Well, the first, the first one was pretty simple. I went, I literally went from undergrad right into my master's degree. And I, and I, Maybe one of the first times I probably asked someone, "What would you do? Would you would you go get a job as a teacher and then work on it on the side?" And, and most of the advice I got was the best way to do it is right away. So that's that's the path I took. Uh, the PhD it took a while to to get to the point where I felt like it was um, doable. Uh, at one time, when I was a junior college coach, I was deciding whether or not to go to Temple. Temple had a program, and I and I literally lived right across the river uh, <clears throat> from Philadelphia. And uh, they dropped the program, Uh, and so I, I, you know, so I kind of forgot about it for a while. Uh, I took a job in Georgia, and then I got the job at Ryder. And at some point, I I decided, you know, it looks like Ryder's where I'm going to be for a while. I've always wanted to be. um, I've always just wanted to to challenge myself uh, in a field that uh, I feel like I would say I'm an expert, but I feel like I know a little bit about sports and and about in leadership. I'm, I'm still learning. But uh, it it seemed like a perfect time. It was the time to do it and to make the commitment. I talked to uh, several people, my uh, I guess my personal uh, board of directors, so to speak, and uh, asked them their advice. And uh, I jumped in and I didn't turn back. And uh, that whole process taught me a lot.
0: Talk about that concept of the personal board of directors. I've heard very few people use that term, but I think it's such an awesome idea for our listeners to kind of start to build their own personal board of directors. Would you expand on that a little bit for us, Barry?
1: You know, uh, I learned it somewhere, you know, in my study and a reading. um, And I thought it really stuck with me. Just like when you read something or you see something, sometimes you forget about 90% of it or 95, but there's always that one little thing that sticks with you. And I think the one thing I've learned over the years is I don't want to be, I'm not the smartest guy in the, in the room. I want to talk to the smart people. I want to ask the questions. I I don't have all the answers. Matter of fact, if I thought I had the answer, I would want to make sure I had the answer and spoke with, you know, certain people in that sector or in that, you know, that, that area, that whatever I'm, I'm trying to explain it, that, you know, like coaching, I would talk to coaches. If I was talking about business, I would go to business. If I wanted to talk about mental performance, I would call you, um, and just like you would call, you know, Dr. Revisa back in the day when he, when he was there. So um, I have a list of uh, maybe four or five coaches that if I have a coaching question, I'll, I'll pick up the phone. Uh, if it's a, if it's a business question, uh, you know, I'll have a certain, a number of people. Uh, if it's a personal qu- a question, I may some, call someone who's close to me that, that, uh, that I trust and uh, believe in. And, you know, they're not going to shoot me you know, the wrong way. So there's, I have little gaps of people uh, in different areas that that I feel comfortable speaking with, they give me great advice, and I think that's what a board of directors does. You sit above the board; you're in charge of the decision, the, decision, the final decision. But you get the input from other people. Sometimes the you know your the way you think isn't the way it should be done, and you have to be I wouldn't say humble, but you have to you know be recognize that you know somebody else has the better answer, and, and it's going to help us. I mean, it's like coaching, you, you know, the players play, you know, we're there to, you know, get them ready. And then they they go play. And then at the end of the day, if they don't play well enough, it's it's on me. If they play great, great job.
0: Well, I love that concept of personal board of directors and, and finding people in your life, whether it be business related or relationship related or coaching related or whatever your field is, As you're listening to this and identify who are those people that are on that board of directors that you turn to for questions. And then also, you know, asking yourself, where can you help out and maybe be on a board of directors for, for someone else? And, you know, Barry, when I had a chance to come out with work with you and your baseball program at Ryder uh, in, in 2019, um, one of the things that I was so impressed with was what you were doing for your PhD research in your thesis. And would you kind of talk about that project and maybe we can expand on that and some of the coaches you interviewed and some of the
1: key findings that you had in those lessons? Because it is, it was really impressive. Well, I appreciate that. And, um, you know, I, I, it makes me feel good when someone says that because I, the, the amount of work that, that, um, that I, I put into it, um, made me, it taught me a lot of things. But the, the, the study, um, finding the, the right topic, I've always been enamored with how coaches can take programs either professionally or on a collegiate level or even on the high school level. And they take over a poor program or someone that's struggling. And then within a year, two, three, they're they they're at the top or they're pushing to be the champion. And it just never wavers. They continue to do it. And then maybe, you know, they end up, they change, they leave, they get another job and they do it again. Why is it? Why? What do those people have that others don't, that have been in the same position that can't get it done? So what? why is that? I mean, you look just one name in professional football, Vince Lombardi never had a losing season. I mean, and it, and it didn't matter. It, it wouldn't have, if he'd have lived a little longer, the Redskins would have been in the Super Bowl. I'm almost certain of that. He just had that quality. So I'm looking for that in in college level coaching. and being a baseball coach, I wanted to do football, basketball, and other things, but time constraints and you know, getting to the getting to speak with with uh, the elite coaches. It's tough because elite coaches are busy. Um, but because I'm a baseball coach, it, it allowed me to interview uh nine coaches that I thought um personified elite level coaches. They they've been to World Series, they've been to super regionals, they turned programs around, some more than just one, uh, some two and three. Um, some just one. You know, they've been a head coach at that place for for a number of years. Uh I interviewed Coach uh, at at Virginia, Virginia Tech, Louisville, Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, Coastal Carolina, Saint John's, and the University of South Carolina. Uh, all those coaches, they were head coaches at those places, uh, and they were phenomenal. And I did it one on one. I flew down, drove, uh, you know, miles, whatever, to get it done. as part of the process, and it just, you know, just it, it was it was a, it, a great experience. Uh, and you talk about being the dumbest guy in the room. I always felt like, okay, there's two of us in the room. They're smarter than me. Let me see what you got. Let me hear all the things you have to say. And uh, it was great. Everybody was a little different, uh, but they all had the same message. And I and I took all that information, and and I narrowed it down. And they call it coding. And I came up with five themes or five pillars. And uh, those and that's where it was based around.
0: And can we kind of dive into maybe those five themes, those five pillars, and then maybe some of the major takeaways that you got beyond those five pillars from some of those great coaches? Because the coaches that, you, that you're that you talking about from UVA, Virginia Tech, Louisville, Vanderbilt, Coastal Carolina, St. John's, Ole Miss... University of Southern South Carolina. I mean, these are these are a who's who of college baseball. These are yes. coaches that have won multiple national championships, coaches that have taken multiple programs to super regionals, college world series. So I'm uh, I'm excited to dive into what those coding themes were that you found were the consistencies. And I hope our listeners to the podcast. If there's one thing that I would encourage you to to, to do when you're listening to podcasts is listen for consistencies whether it's a rich franklin who's a ufc champion whether it's taylor dawkins who's a pitcher at cal state fullerton softball who's in a battle with cancer whether it's dr barry davis who's interviewing a who's who of college baseball coaches what are they all saying that's the same and then are you doing that so barry what were those five major themes that emerged from your research
1: well the, the the great thing about this entire thing and one of the messages that i had to teach is that you know get to know as many people in your field talk, ask questions, go places, meet people. Because if I didn't take a junior college job, I would have never been able to have success possibly and eventually meet these types of people. These are the the best of the best. And uh, we talked, the questions were all standard in terms of everybody got asked the same questions. The five themes were in order. Number one was leadership and leadership development. I really couldn't separate leadership and leadership development. So I made it one. And that, that was, that was the, the number one uh, factor in in the elite coach uh, with the elite program. They had leadership skills. They had a leadership approach. They had a leadership method, uh, style, philosophy and how they were able to, um, Communicate that to to their players and let them develop as leaders. The second one, which you just your word hit it is consistency and consistent communication, uh, which was number two. We can talk a little bit more about each one. The third was standards, which I thought might be the first one. And I think standards, high standards um, in everything. It doesn't have to be wins. It could be just how you approach the the weight room that day, or or your study hall, or you know being in the hotel, how we handle ourselves uh, in the public eye, whatever the standard is. Number number four was acquiring the right fit, the right people for your organization, for your team. And the last one, which is something that uh, I think has become more of, of a um, topic of discussion, is growth mindset and the coaches always uh, appeared, at least in their answers, to always want to have more, always searching for more, always looking to um, to better themselves. I wouldn't say educationally because these guys are such at a high level. I, I don't think a, a PhD or most of them had master's degrees, I believe, but uh, their goal was to be the best coach. They could be the best person. They could be mentor and I think as time went on, they they were able to to learn that, you know, I, I got to keep going at this. And uh, that's the great thing about this is that it, you're a lifelong learner. And uh, Pat Williams said that to me, um, the uh, the Orlando Magic vice president at the time. I, I heard him give a speech. I thought it was the best, one of the best speeches I, I, I've ever heard. And, and it still is. And he, he was inspirational to me to even think about, um, you know, getting my my uh, Ph.D. Or, or working on it. I've actually sent him letters, and uh, he responds to me. And again, that's another indication of of a guy who's really at the top of his game, and he's uh, he's looking down on the guy like myself and giving me advice. and And it, and it hasn't stopped. So those are those are great uh, role models and example setters. These coaches were these coaches are, are exceptional.
0: That's awesome. I'm excited to dive into both the five teams and then also maybe one of the takeaways you took from each of those nine coaches. And funny, you mentioned Pat Williams, the guy who gave me my first job ever in professional baseball was his son, Bobby Williams, when he was a okay. director of player development with the uh, with the Washington Nationals. So uh, big, big, big place in my heart for the Williams family for both Pat and, and his son, Bobby. So let's, let's dive into those five themes, Barry, if we can. Let's start with you know, maybe, you know, the audience that you're speaking to through this podcast that you're coaching right now is going to be, let's call it college coaches, high school coaches, people looking for the application, right? They're looking for what can I do? What can, what, what is Barry Davis doing? Or what are these nine coaches doing when it comes to leadership and leadership development that they could then go do maybe for themselves or with their program? So if we start with the first theme that emerged from your research, leadership and leadership development, what would be some of those key takeaways that,
1: that these coaches could do who are listening to this podcast? Well, the, lead, the leadership role, uh, there's a number of different uh, leadership philosophies. Um, there's, there's, there's transformational leadership. There's transactional leadership. There's situational leadership. Um, servant leadership. Um, those are the those are the main main leadership approaches that that I I tended to to focus on, and I came up with two leadership styles that I thought were consistent uh, with with these coaches. And and the first one is servant leadership, and I think this sort of developed. I'm, I'm interviewing these guys at 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 a, at a point in their career where they have succeeded, they've been successful, and I think they've realized that. Now they're more of a serving type coach than they used to be. I think at the beginning, authoritative type, you know, the, and I hate, I don't want to use names and names, but that tech coach is just, that's a yeller, a screamer, a disciplinarian in the sense, like not discipline meaning like punishing you, so to speak. Um, kind of the, uh, the, the military type guy, um, these guys kind of were like that early, I think. And now that the servant leadership, they realize their role and how they can help others. And I think that's what one of the leadership uh, approaches I found with all nine of these guys is that they were, they, they loved their players. They, they, they took care of their players and, um, and, and, you know, basically built a, a interpersonal relationship with, with each, each guy. And I think interpersonal and intra intrapersonal, are two different uh, types of development. And the interpersonal is more of a growth mindset, which is number five down the line. But uh, while they're building this relationship with the with their players, they're also growing uh, individually. The yeah. transformational leadership, I don't want to get too long here, is that <clears throat> there's there's a lot. there's in, You influence them, you motivate, you get them to think creatively, and then you work with them and mentor them to guide them. So. First of all, you, you kind of want to be a role model. I think, you know, in a leadership role, I mean, you're looking at the coach. If he's reacting, you know, a certain way or negative, or if he, is he, he's able to handle adversity. And when you talk about control, the controllables, when the coach is, is, you know, when things are, you know, when the, you know, so to speak, the shit's hitting the fan, he's he's able to calm everybody down and be the leader. Um, and I think that's, the you know, being able to influence them. Motivating, you know getting them to do a little bit more i think that's a, that's a strength that the mental performance coaches that you know yourself and and others getting them to do a little more and then be, make them think about creative think for yourself have good new ideas let me hear those ideas what are you doing and then of course i'm there to support the coach is there to support them and help them and i think the leadership development kind of falls in that you know you kind of allow the players to to run the, the locker room. There's all, you'll see the, the guys will gravitate. I've noticed they would, when they talk, they would say two or three guys would gravitate to the front and control that locker room and control the, the group. And we're talking elite programs here, elite players, guys who want to play at the next level. Uh, that's not the case for every, every college coach, you know, division two, II, division three, junior college, you know, there's a lot more challenges there possibly different challenges. Um, but uh the development uh one of the one of the techniques would would have uh you know you have a leadership council. I thought i mean a lot of coaches had that um, and I think they would bring in outside people. I know you would come in and speak at certain universities. Uh, there's other, you know, Dr. Elko is another guy that, that does it, you know, bring outside people and help develop the players, get them to think a little different kind of what I thought I did with, by bringing you on, on our, on our campus, you know, you helped me think a different way. And I know you, you helped, uh, you know, tremendously, uh, influenced our players to think uh, a certain way. So I think leadership, leadership development is, is a daily thing. It's, it's always set the example, be there, serve, Uh, but you're also, it's not warm and fuzzy either. You know, you gotta, you gotta go hard.
0: Love that. So many good takeaways there. I think that, you know, the difference between a transactional and transformational leader. And I think at different times in our career, you know, it's uh, as a coach, because there's a win loss record next to your name, because your paycheck is, is influenced by that win loss record. It's easy to slide into transactional leadership where you give an opportunity for players to play baseball, they give you wins, right? Right. But if you really want to get the big wins and I'm not just talking about the life big wins, but I think the NCAA championship big wins is it's that transformational leadership of, you know, together we become more and synergize to help each other grow into their best. And I remember doing a podcast with Augie Garrido who Mm. won five NCAA national championships. And one of the things he said was after he won his first national championship at Cal state Fullerton in 1979, He came back and he was depressed and he was depressed because he's like, I I sacrificed so many relationships to try to get wins early in my career that I didn't, I didn't realize the importance of relationships, you know, and basically at that point, that's when he said, not in these exact words, but he said, that's when he basically went from transactional to transformational. And then the success came even more. So some great, great takeaways there, uh, Barry, if you would, if we can transition into your second theme that you found with the research about consistency in communication, what were some of the key takeaways that you think the coaches listening to this can use?
1: Well, the first thing I, I would, <clears throat> I would say is that we all want to be the same person every day. Uh, you know, and it's, t- especially when you're a young coach, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of this. And and, you, and now you know you, you kind of want to be steady, you know, steady the ship. Uh, and I think being consistent uh, every day, um, you know, knowing how how I'm going uh, to react to the coach that's going to react to certain uh, adverse situations, uh, how he's going to react in practice, how he's going to react in team meetings, uh, how does he, how's he act when you see him in public, uh, those types of things. I mean, you just know that you're not going to get anything different from, from the coach. And I think that, that gives the players comfort. Uh, and they know I did ask a kid, you know, you know, a kid that, you know, it's kind of challenging. And the question was, is, is there ever a time where you don't think that I don't have your best interest? Do you not understand every day? This, this, you know, this is what we do. This is why we organize things. This is why we have practice at this time. This is why I want you there on time. This is why you need to go a little extra hard. So that doesn't change. And so, you know, getting getting clarity, I think, is a big keyword there. Um, and then the communication, I think, in the coaches, what they were trying to say was, you know, if I'm saying X, my assistant coach is saying X, the next assistant's saying X, the volunteer is saying the same thing. So we're all basically have the same message, as opposed to I'm saying one thing, he's saying another thing, this person saying another thing, and it's confusing. And then it and it just basically, you know, you're kind of pulled in all kinds of directions. So we're trying to get a shared, aligned direction with our communication that we're all talking about. You know, it, it might be something like, um, do simple better or something like that. I if I'm saying it, they need to be saying it. And then and you just keep saying it sort of kind of becomes kind of a, a language or or uh, just a consistency in the in the terminology that we use. Um you know, going going forward. So I think that that was it. So for me, I think it's more about how you handle yourself in the tough situations. Uh, we're all excited when things are going well, but when things aren't going well, uh, how are you handling it? Is it something that you can do to kind of keep control? I've always felt, and I haven't had many. The best players I had, I couldn't tell whether they had a good day or a bad day, and I thought those those guys were steady. I knew what I was going to get. And that's, I mean, that's kind of what the reverse would be for, for players looking at coaches. I'm not going to get the same guy every day. And that's, that's what we're striving to do.
0: Well, I think what you're talking about is create, you know, whether it's creating that common language around a mindset, like do simple better or around your culture, it's setting standards of excellence and how we do things. And that clarity of standard is definitely something that I've seen. You know, if you get even outside of baseball and you look at, let's say, Florida state softball who won a national championship in 2018 or Yale lacrosse that won a national championship in 2018 and lost in the final in 2019 with no scholarships, right? Like they're, they're competing at the highest level with an academic disadvantage. You could look at it that way with a, with a scholarship dollar disadvantage. You could look at it that way. Obviously there's other advantages you get by being Yale in the Ivy league and the education that comes with that. And then, you know, the, the athletes that that's going to attract, Um, but that clarity of standard and excellence, I think is something that is so spot on in my experience, but also obviously awesome to be validated by your research as well. Would you talk about that clarity and the standard of excellence and how we do things and kind of what you learned from these coaches in this research that
1: gave you theme number three? Like I said earlier, I thought standards would be right at the top. Uh, And I think it it is, it's filtered into all five kind of, uh, or, or the other four, so to speak. Standards, I think we all talk about winning as being the standard that you, um, you're you measured by. Uh, success sometimes is measured by how much money you make, I mean, depending on who you're talking to. Um, uh, what kind of car you drive, uh, what kind of house you live in, what kind of vacation you take. I mean, a lot of people it, that that's not what concerns them, but that's a kind of a standard that people look at, whether it's stereotypically or not. but from from an athletic standpoint, a standard that that i that I got was one of the coaches said, I mean, these are our rules and guidelines, and if you're not enforcing them, then it's really not a standard. So um, that was just one example of uh, just saying, okay, you know, we're going to go to study hall. You know, you're going to be on time, and uh, you're going to you're going to be there eight hours a week, whatever the standard is, and the requirement. And if you didn't, then there would be uh, consequences. And I think the meeting those types of standards, um, just a mentality, thinking positive, standard. Uh, one of the things I got I got from Coach Bertman years ago. He said, first we'll be best, then we'll be first. And I took that, and I and I wrote that down, and, and I've never forgotten it. And, so, and I've used that with our team. 1st uh, we'll be best means we're going to be first in everything we do. And then first we'll be best, then we'll be first. So you can't be the champion if you don't do all these little things along the way. So everything counts. That was another one, a standard. Um, you know, we, we don't say we're going to have a 3.5 GPA. We're not doing that. We're just going to, can we be excellent in the classroom? And then when you fall below those standards, you know, we need to address it. Communication is, is involved with those standards. Leadership is involved with those standards. Leadership development of your players is, is also required. You know, when your players are leaders, you know, then they help and they assist with the standards. You know, and the thing that you're you're trying to teach um, and you can't lower your standards. I had a professor. Well, I was a teacher uh, when, and all the other jobs I had besides the writer job. I was always teacher. You know, I would teach classes and I would coach. Uh, I can't imagine how I I don't know how I did it. The energy level they require. I, do, I don't know. I don't. I, now I couldn't do it. I don't think I could do it. But I remember one of the professors who's now a professor at uh, Texas uh, uh, A&M Cor- Corpus Christi. and He's a great guy. And one of my players came in and said, here's the paper. And it was late. And then he hands it in. He takes it from him. The kid walks out. And I say, and he looks at me and goes, I don't know why he gave it to me. It was due like a week ago. He's going to get a zero. And, he, and I'm like, okay, yeah, i figures because he's one of these kids that you had. It was kind of a, you know, get it it." He said to me, he said, my standards here, your standards here. I'm not coming to you. you got to come to me. And I never forget that. And I think that's that's one of the things these coaches, they would set a standard. And the, the expectations are you're going to have to reach those standards. We're not setting unattain- unattainable, unattainable standards. These are all attainable. you know. Um, so uh, you're sitting around. And, of course, every year you change them a little bit, maybe reflect. This one wasn't as good. Maybe we can make it better. And I think that's part of the process. That's part of the growth mindset. But having standards and having not necessarily goals. But standards uh, are not rules either. You know, they're they're there for people that want to be great.
0: Well, I love how these themes kind of build off of each other too. I don't know if that was intentional with with when you were pulling these out of the research, but the leadership and leadership development, and then into the consistency and the communication, our standards and how we do things daily, and then acquiring the right fit and the right people for your team, which was standard number four. Could you expand on that one a little bit?
1: Wow, I think this is where I when when we failed when we failed and we failed uh and I think that's another aspect of success you have to fail you know because you you can't always be good you got to hit the bottom a little bit sometimes to to regroup but uh having the wrong people is 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 it's um paramount I I can't even put a a price tag on being around great people um you know, they, they, the organizationals, the businesses say the most important asset of your business is your people. And you can add to that the right people. You got to have the right people uh, in your organization. And what are those things uh, for you? Talent? I think the question, I mean, every one of these coaches and if I asked another eight, coach, nine coaches, they would all say, hey, I have to have talent. But talent is never going to win you. The championship, you got to have the mindset that goes with it, the character that comes with it, the work ethic, the attitude, the attitude of excellence, uh, the ability to handle failure and bounce back. That's a toughness, a mental toughness, um, being able to to and 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 to recruit these guys in short periods of time when you don't see them a lot is a challenge so you really got to you know vet these guys as best you can because do they fit do they check the boxes that you feel are important i could go through my 31 years of coaching and i could give you a, i mean without thinking too much a list of maybe 5 to 7 things that they must have maybe not even that much five five things that they have to be able to do for me to be able to coach them. And uh, if they don't have talent, that's probably, you know, okay, then that's fine. They have talent, but they also have to have these other intangibles and other tangible things that you can visibly see um, that make, that makes them the best at what they do. And uh, the mistakes that I've made, I usually figured it out pretty quickly, you know, I'd imagine one of those one of those
0: pieces of acquiring the right fit actually takes us to theme number five, which is that growth mindset and that constant search to become better than you are today. Would you agree with that?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, the 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 best players that I that I have had have always been the best, sometimes the easier to, to coach uh, because they're always looking to to get better. The guys who are not thinking growth mindset or thinking get better tend to stagnate I guess is the word they're all they're good but they never seem to reach there we have a kid right now who's a walk on he just is a is just a, a re- phenomenal worker great kid yes sir no sir and i didn't we don't make him do that we i mean he just that's the way he is and he's here he's here he's here and next thing you know he's going to be here and uh, the other guys going to look and go what happened and it's going to be too late you know, you can't, you can't put the toothpaste back in the, in the tube. And, you know, and we have guys that are just uh, really good at that. You're looking for those guys that mirror your philosophy that uh, you can align goals with, and they're going to, um, they're going to accept it, accept coaching and uh, be willing to think for themselves and they, and also co- not combative, but talk to you and, and find out what works. And I think that builds a lot of trust uh, between the coaches, but man, you, you gotta be willing to, to learn, uh, more and more and more. Again, a Pat Williams thing was read a book and, you know, read, read a book, like read an hour a day. He would say you'd read a book in a week. I I probably couldn't do that, but let's just say hypothetically, I could read 50 books in a year in 10 years. That's 500 books. Is that going to make a difference in your life? Of course it is. You know, of course it is. And, uh, I think those are, those are important lessons for, for all of us to, to keep, to keep growing and to keep trying to get better. Uh, and when you, and when you stop, I think a lot of things stop.
0: Mm. And I think that's one of the, one of the things, when you look at the nine, the nine programs in the head coaches that you interviewed, and let's see if I got this right. Um, so university of Virginia, Virginia tech, Louisville. Vanderbilt, Coastal Carolina, St. John's, Old Miss, University of South Carolina. Was Ray Tanner the coach you interviewed at South and, Carolina? And and one more to add to that Duke. I forgot oh, Duke. Okay. So um, when you when you look at that list. Tanner, you, yes, Tanner, Tanner was the yes, Tanner. Look at that list of coaches. O'Connor national championships at Virginia. Corbin national championships at Vanderbilt. Gary Gilmore national championship at, at Coastal Carolina. And when you look at Coastal Carolina, the unique thing about that program is, I mean, they're in a state with Clemson in South Carolina and they win the national championship most recently out of that state, which I think is phenomenal. Then you look at um, South Carolina and Ray Tanner, who's now the athletic director there, who's also won multiple national championships. And those other programs are also very good. I mean, you're looking at John chef who's taken, you know, Maryland to super regionals and he's now the head coach at Virginia, Virginia tech, Dan McDonald, who's a staple in Omaha with Louisville um, you know, Ed Blankmeyer at St. John's, who's been a perennial winner for a long time. Mike Bianco at Ole Miss, who's the most tenured coach at Ole Miss and was also a player and assistant coach with Skip Bertman at LSU. And Chris Pollard at Duke, who's done a tremendous job of taking them from a program that was never talked about in college baseball and is now consistently in the top 25. What What are some of the things, Barry, when you went and visited these coaches, obviously you got to see their office, you got maybe got this, maybe you interviewed them at their house. But what are some of the things that stick out to you that when you got around these coaches outside of the interview process, just whether it was routines or habits or mannerisms or things that they had set up within their lifestyle, what are some of the things that when you look back and go, oh, I've taken that from Tim Corbin or that from Ray Tanner or that from Mike Bianco that you've kind of built into either your life or your program?
1: Well, that's a great question. Um, I think that the first the first thing that was great is that they took the time to meet with me. I think that was uh, important. Uh, the message that the study uh, is 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 designed to certainly – um, it was part of my process but it, it's designed to help coaches and to help uh, coaches recognize and realize the importance uh the the staples of success and trying to reach an elite status uh, each you know i know each guy differently and we could talk uh, uh, about a number of things i know some better than others i think that the one thing I, I i took from mr from coach o'connor was that um very businesslike, very very committed to the university, uh, organized, um, very uh, humble. I think humble was a lot uh, could go across the board with these guys. They they um, so that was the one thing from 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 Brian that I that I that I took. And of course, I'm I'm from Charlottesville, so I have a great amount of pride, you know, being at you know on that campus. And I, I take I enjoy being down there at home. And he's done a done you know, a great job. Uh, with that program, very organized. Uh, uh, Coach chef was um, I thought discipline, uh, focus, um, attitude, don't want to hear excuses. I don't want I mean that was one of the things I took from him. Uh, a guy who learned on his own. I think you know he was one of the guys that started. He's, he was telling me that he was in the in the van, he was coaching in the in the ACBL or the you know one of those summer leagues and he's driving the van with the team and he's thinking, I got to make the lineup. I, I got to find the field. You know, I mean, that's like at the bottom I and mean, you're working your way up. So he, he epitomized that with me. Uh, McDonald would be, uh, coach McDonald would be, um, tough, um, uh, the Citadel, you know, he's a Citadel guy, you know, you know, you know, intense. I thought that was, uh, uh, one of the things that stood out about him. He had he had a great message uh you know his message to me was i mean don't come here if you don't want to be drafted play for national championships and graduate and be and be a great student corbin was corbin was you know i mean you know very very uh, articulate uh very sure in his in what he said um i think that one of the guys who learned a lot on the job I mean, he took over a Presbyterian uh, program back in the, and I want to say the early nineties. Then it hadn't even had baseball. And that's how I got to know him. He was, he was, he would call me for players up in, in New Jersey for, as a junior college. And, uh, and he worked his way up. I mean, he's a D three guy, you know, blue collar. I think, you know, he's developed a philosophy now. Uh, he's, he's a growth uh, a growth mindset to the, to the T here, you know, to always get better. And I think he utilizes a lot of teaching techniques uh, in his, um, in his coaching um, football, ex football coach. I think football coaches are, are, you know, I mean, I know you've talked to Skip Bertman and they, you know, football coaches they, 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 you learn how to coach when you're coaching football. I think there's just so many things um, Ole Miss, uh, you know, he, he was a protege of, of coach Burtman. And I, I think uh, Mike, uh, to me, he he knew he knew what needed to be done. You know, his practices. He had a philosophy. Hey, if we can't do it right, we're going to do it at least two days. And we can't do it two, we're going to do it three. It was kind of, you know, he would he would have players teach the younger players in practice. Um, organized, um, can draw from a lot of experience. Storyteller you know, basically, you know, had a message to his players. I think he takes a lot of that from Coach Bourbon, motivation, uh, motivating them to to be the best they can be. Coach Gilmore, I thought the big great thing with him was, you know, uh he, he said culture was the number one thing that he felt like that he that's what that's what set his program or his not program necessarily, but his team that particular year apart from other teams is that they were synergized, as you said earlier. Uh, their culture was that of love and, and taking care and trusting each other. I think they really, really, really uh, felt a, t- a tightness that other programs for that year, that group, you know, that's what you're striving for. And, and it all came together for them. And I think culture would, would be the one word that sticks with uh, me when I talk, when I talked, when I talked with him, coach Pollard, uh, another guy who's, who's uh earned his stripes, Pfeiffer college, uh, Appalachian state. I mean, he's, he's, uh, worked his way up trial and error a lot. I think humility, uh, he, he told a great story. He said he, they, they swept Georgia tech or something. He said he was sitting with his wife and he said, I got, th- I think I got this thing figured out. And I think they said they lost like 18 of their next 20. And he said, that taught me some things. And, uh, he, he was, uh, he's, a learn to be patient, learn to be, uh, not be so reactive, uh, to, to negative, you know, put some trust in the players. And, uh, and I think he's doing that obviously at Duke. He's phenomenal. Um, coach blank Blankmeyer, I think, um, uh, to me, blue collar is the, is they kind of, when I interviewed him, I interviewed him in a room. It was the coldest day it, of the, of the winter that day in New York, it was about zero and the wind was blowing. And I met with him in this room that it was drafty room and he was working out. He was sweating and he was there to meet with me. And I just, that epitomized his attitude towards work. I think he, they outwork people at St. John's. I think they get tough kids and he has a tough mentality. He played for coach Shepard at Seton hall, who is a military guy. And I just got the, the feeling that if, if, Blankmeyer would told me something, I would just, I, I would just do it. And, um, but he also was a guy that he, that I think he had their players backs and uh, he, he was always there. Now he, he pushed you. And I think he was, he was probably one of the more uh, authoritative type coaches of the group. I thought, and I think they all can be that way, but he came off as like, you know, sometimes you just have to tell them and be honest with them. Uh, Coach Tanner, one thing that stuck out with me when he told me a story, uh, he said that he put a lot of stock in character. He was recruiting a kid, and, and the kid, he wasn't sure whether he was uh, good enough to play at NC State, which he was the assistant coach. So he stuck around and watched some more. And the kid stuck around. Well, I say stuck around again. He stayed after and helped the coach put the equipment in the car. And this is back in the 80s now. You know, we didn't have the travel teams and all the bags and all that. You know, you actually had equipment that we shared. You know, not everybody had their own bat and their own catching. You know, we didn't have all that. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. So this kid helps helps him put it in the coach's truck or car, and he goes, "That kid's got character." And that was what sold him. Mm-hmm. And he puts that. I put a lot of stock in it. The kid ended up being, you know, an all conference player, and um, you know, and being, uh, you know, a great asset to the to the program. But I think each guy. All those five pillars, themes, fit each one. Everyone's a little different, but they're all elite. They're all in the same level. They all could compete. I, I mean, you could match up one team against the other, one through nine. And if you played a three-game set, I, I would think one, one no one would sweep. I mean, that would be a, a bet. I would say that no one would sweep. They're that close, mm. and they're that good. Hmm.
0: Awesome, and you know, and it's it's also when you look at that list of coaches, those are some coaches that have, you know, been into mental performance coaching in the mental game of baseball, and you know, had the chance to work with with Coach Gilly at Coastal and Coach Bianco at Ole Miss and Tim Corbin at Vanderbilt and Coach Chef at both at Maryland and and Virginia Tech, and I know, you know, that they also put an emphasis on mental performance as you do with your program at Rider. So to kind of shift the conversation from the research and the in the PhD thesis into sort of straight mental performance and mental game of baseball. What are some of those key sort of mental performance techniques that you've had success with both at your time at Ryder and at other universities?
1: Well, um, when I was a younger coach, um, I, I mean the mental toughness, uh, I think we were teaching it and we didn't know we were teaching it. You know, we were just, we were just demanding, uh, excellence and, um, you know, when your head was down, I mean, when it was way down, I, I, I would like to have thought I would have pulled you aside and said, what's up, you know, and let's try to reset here, uh, regroup. Um, and as I, I learned late, I would say I'm, I'm so much more educated in, in how I see. And I would use the word emotional intelligence and, and being socially aware and aware of what, how I feel, and aware of what they, they what I perceive as how they're feeling, and in the surroundings uh, uh, around us, and being able to be smart in our decision making, and I think emotional intelligence is is uh, is a key uh, to to being successful in anything, you know, and being aware of when to say something, when not to say something, uh, when to when to hold off, when to or when to you know jump in there. I think I think that's important. The mental things that that I think. When you we talk about is you know E plus R equals O. I think that I could put that across my chest, and I think when something happens, your response is um, won't necessarily influence the outcome, but how you respond could make a difference in how the outcome um, you know delivers itself or how it ends up. The experience, how it ends up, because not every response is going to you know end up with a great outcome. You know, I mean, it, it doesn't matter, um, but how you, how you handle that, how you we use press and pause, I guess, is a word that I would use, you know, you know, take a step back, you know, deep breath, regroup, you know, your triggers, so to speak, your red lights, your, your, your yellow lights, as you, as you say. Uh, and I think those are, they're, those are important things to, uh, to try to teach. And then by me trying to teach, attempting to teach this to my players, I, I in in essence learn myself um, because then I then I'm living it too. But control what you can control is is important concept. Um, but then you know there's another part of mental performance is you know get up off your tail and, and let's you know let's let's commit to something. Um, you know, you talk about your, your, you know, you're organizing your day, the 168 hours and your, your 1%, was it put 14 minutes and 24 seconds. Yeah. Very nice. You know, uh, all those, all those are, are like little, little things like today in the workout, when I'm in my workout or when you're in your run or when you're doing whatever. And it's that, you know, that tipping point to get past it that it's going to be okay. And I think those are the things that we're teaching when I used to run these guys, I mean, we're talking, uh, I mean, you've seen the movie miracle. I think at times I was like that, um, to, to a point, Huh? again, right? again, right, right, again, there, again. And, and you know what though? And, and I, sometimes it was punishment. You know, you were punishing and I don't know that that's the right way to do it nowadays. However, it did teach. It did, it did indicate, and it illustrated to me by watching them who was committed, who was going to do it, uh, who was going to quit. And uh, I wouldn't say nine times out of 10, I don't know about it, but you maybe three times out of four, you're going to be right. 75% of the time that kid can't, you know, he's, he's bad body language, you know, you know, mumbling, talking, Those guys are not the right fit, and you can determine that when things get really bad. Uh, I coached a kid who ended up being a Navy SEAL. Hmm. Um, You couldn't break this kid, not that I tried, but I did. I I read somewhere that the, the difference between a guy making it as a Navy SEAL and not, the guys who didn't make it were worrying about getting through the whole program of the hell week. The guys who made it were worried about getting through that exercise, that second, that day. And I think that is a huge lesson in everything that we do. Today, I'm right now, I am locked in on Brian Kane's podcast, and there's nothing else going on in my life. The minute we're done, I got to switch to something that's going to be just as important as this. And, uh, And I will. I know, uh, I'm going to grab lunch though, before I start, but, but the point is, when I'm at lunch, I'm at lunch. I don't want to be anywhere else. And I think being present, wherever you are in that, in that spot, handle it, you know, compete, whatever it is, finish the job, do the best you can. And uh, that's, that's sort of the, the lessons that, that I've learned a little bit in it's terms like, of the mental uh, performance.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's one pit in your sport, in baseball, it's one pitch at a time be where your feet are. Just like you're going through this day during coronavirus season of one meeting at a time, whether it's podcast, lunch, workout, recruiting calls, whatever it is you're doing, it's be where your feet are one thing at a time. And we hear people say, well, I I multitask. You can't multitask. It's just that you task hop really quick. So you think you're multitasking, but you're probably not giving your best to any of those things. And, you know, one of the principles, Barry, that you've mentioned, is kind of a relentlessness and sticking with something even when it gets difficult. You know, right now during, during coronavirus and the COVID-19 pandemic, it's the world has been rocked and people have been rocked. They've been furloughed. They've been routines disrupted. Um, What advice would you have for people who have big dreams, but right now are just kind of getting consumed and maybe stuck in
1: a rut with some of the difficult obstacles that are presented? Well, everybody's different uh, in every situation, um, you know, whether it be a health situation, you know, uh, you know, maybe a job, uh, a relationship that you're in. um, And I've had my share of of difficulties. uh, And and, I mean, I would say like everyone else, everybody else has problems. We all have problems, you know, uh, and being able to deal with those things. But the relentlessness, I, I always think that, you know, being a doer, like I want to accomplish something. Um, I don't necessarily want to do it for someone else. I want to do it for myself. Uh, I'm, I'm challenging. I'm always in competition with myself, it's, it appears. So if there's an obstacle or something that's in my way, like this COVID-19, I, it, we have meetings, um, administrative meetings, and, and I wonder, like, we need to be more positive. This is something that, that we're, we're all faced with but it's also something that it's a challenge and like you get a chance to like fight it, beat it, you know, be in competition with it. Like when we go to practice in the fall, I'm hoping we can get out there, you know, you're going to have to wear a mask. So wear the mask. I don't want to hear excuses. You know, wash your hands, you know, stay away. We'll stay away. Um, you know, we're going to do all these things to to try to win the battle or win the war uh, to, to be able to play. How important is it for you to play baseball? How important is it for you to get an education? If it's not important, you're probably not going to do what's necessary to get the end result. If you don't believe, if your beliefs are, I don't have to do this to get something. it isn't going to happen. Your behavior is going to reflect that. And then the outcome is going to be the E plus R the outcome is going to be this way. Um, so we want, I would, my, my thing would be, okay, what's the problem? Let's figure, let's, let's figure out exactly what the problem is. All right. Let's address that, get that. How can we get through this? How can, what steps can we take to, to, uh, to beat this or to, you know, move that over to its side and we can get around it. What, what is it? What can I do? uh, as a group or as an individual, how can we do this? Uh, if it's a team or an individual type thing and you just, you know, come up with a plan, you have a vision, you use the, the, the word reverse engineering. So we, we kind of see where we want to be now let's work backwards and try to, you know, figure out plans and and strategies and techniques to get around those obstacles. Some are immovable. Okay. We can't move them. So we got to get over them or around them somehow, Um, and I guess there are situations in life where you can't accomplish all the goals that you want. Uh, I mean, I mean, mean you, me, everybody, there's probably a goal out there. We're still, we're still striving for. And, uh, and I, and I'm still striving for certain things in my, in my personal and professional life. And, uh, I have to fight through those, through those tough times. And, um, I think being, you know, meditation, I mean, I'm not a meditator, but I do like to get off by myself and think about what what am I doing? Where, where am I going? And uh, then I go back to my board of directors again. You know, how do we figure this out? Uh, this thing, like this thing called life is. Uh, it's tough. It's 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 tougher than people think. It's not easy. It's not easy. Uh, you know, it's just uh, it'll it's a challenge. It's a cha- every day is a challenge. And uh, you can treat it like a, I treat everything like a game almost. Uh, probably one of my downfalls when in personal life, sometimes you want to compete at everything, you know, I'm beating up my brother, you know, playing some board game when I'm a kid, because he's probably beating me, <laughs> you know, uh, the,
0: that concept of gamifying, right. is something that, that, uh, as I've gone through the optimized app with Brian Johnson and lists yes. a lot of the books, one of the things that he talks a lot about is gamifying, make it a game. If you, if you you know, don't, if if you're having a hard time going to bed at a certain time, let's say you want to go to bed at 10 and you end up, you're going to bed closer to one. He's like, make it a game. What do you, what do you get if you go to bed at 10 or what do you have to give up if you don't go to bed at 10? Right. And he's like, the more you can make it a game and a competition with yourself, it goes from being work to being a game. And I think we all like playing games more than maybe doing work. So if you take work and make it a game, then as they say, you've never worked a day in your life. You're just playing, you're out
1: there. having. You are absolutely right.
0: One of, one of the things that impressed me most about you when we got together, uh, and what was your level of fitness and your commitment to exercise and your commitment to movement. And it's one thing that i that I unfortunately don't see in a lot of coaches is that commitment to a healthy lifestyle, whether it be around how they eat or how they exercise. so what what does what what does movement and exercise mean to you personally to be at your best and to stay sharp so that you can be your best for your team?
1: You know? I've always been active uh, as a kid. I've always played, always been outside uh, sports, play basketball, football, baseball, whatever season it was. We just, we just active and and did it. Um, I've always been fairly athletic. I think being athletic helps in, in, in uh, in training and doing those things, because I I see that very few uh, people that are athletic, um, I, well, I shouldn't say a few. I say a lot of people that are athletic when they get done playing, they finish playing, they they kind of they don't want to work anymore. I enjoy pain, I guess. I enjoy feeling like it it I think let me, let me change it here. I enjoy the feeling after I've went through the pain, knowing what I did to get there. I feel so much better about myself, that I accomplished something in that one hour an hour and a half, or even if it's 30 minutes of a bike ride in a Peloton class, you know, whatever it is, it's always, again, you know, and when I look at myself, I want to, I want to look, I want to look like a coach. I want to look like an athlete. Um, I, I just, I I think that, you know, not, not everybody's like me. And that's the one thing that everybody's different. Uh, I'm going to be 55 in a week. And I, I really feel like, I feel better now than I did when I was probably in my twenties or thirties. I eat better. I'm more educated. It's just, again, you know, you can, you can have little things here and there, but, but it's just a daily commitment to you. You have to make the time. I mean, my God, you have 168 hours. I can't find six hours in that week. You kidding me? No, no. I don't want it. That's an excuse. Get, you know, whether you like running, whether you like weight training, I like to do a little of both. Um, I mean, my, my now wife, we, we trained for a half marathon and, uh, again, I, I ran it, I did it. Uh, I don't, I probably won't do it again. I think I, uh, I had knee surgery a year later and <laughs> got my meniscus, you and know, I had to clean that up. Uh, well, out of wear and tear on these, on these knees, but. Uh, no, I just think it's it's a mindset. It's a, an attitude. Uh, I go out, you know, I, and I've thrown bat in practice. And, you know, I look like – I mean, I feel like I look like one of the players. I want people to think I'm one of the players. Uh, so it's just a mentality. Uh, I'm not trying to be better than anybody. I'm just trying to be the best I can be. And uh, today's push day, so we're going to be pushing something. Uh, I think push-ups are going to be in line. Uh, for quite a bit in this workout we're doing, but I think, okay, I'm, I'm mentally getting ready to do it, and, and it's going to be fun and uh, challenge myself.
0: And you gamified it, right? I mean, it's Monday; you call it Push Day, right? So you've kind of made made that training a a um, a game, right? And I was yes. I just I, over coronavirus season, I picked up the sport of golf. And a guy who I'm working with, he's like, "Hey, Wednesday is Wedge Wednesday." So it was like their day. I were at the course, and I was hitting all these short wedge shots. He goes, "Well, hey, you might want to save some of those for Wedge
1: Wednesday." Yeah you know,
0: and make make it in a game, right?
1: But it's, it's, it's all up here. And, uh, you know, I don't like being around people that are lazy. Mm. Mm, Just don't want to be around them. I like being around guys that want to work me, Mm. you know, my wife does my wife. She's, she's in there, she's working hard and and I got to keep up with her, you know? So
0: amen to that. The same with the bear, man, she's in there getting, it. I got to be able to keep up, you know? So Barry, last question is, is if, there, if you could remove the skull cap of everyone listening to this and you could plant one seed and that one seed would, would germinate and, and would become a part of their everyday mindset, everyday lifestyle, what would that one seed of success be?
1: <sighs> one seed of success. I, I think um, having, what are your, what do you want to be in life? What, what would you, what do you want people to say about you when you're not here? So, but what do you want to be and what is your plan? What are you doing to make the, you the best version of yourself that, I mean, what, what are you going to do today that's going to make you better tomorrow? What are you going to do tomorrow that's going to make you better than today? And I think that process, do you have that type of plan that, you know, it's one little, you know, one little step here and there. You you just keep, you just keep grinding, you know, the slow and steady wins the race. I think, you know, goal, how am I going to get there? And am I willing to do all these things to work myself to that, to that level? And then when you reach that level, great. Now we go another one and we just keep moving and keep, keep moving. And also be uh, one more listen to other people and be open to, um, other ideas. I think that's important, uh, for all of us to, to, uh, to, you know, to be aware of that and, uh, accept, uh, other, other people's ideas that yours are not the only one. Uh, yours might be a great idea, but it might not be the best idea.
0: Well, and then eventually what happens is, is you listen to other people's ideas, right? And as you grow from whether it's doing the podcast and having great guests like yourself or you doing the the research that you probably would have done anyway, even if it wasn't tied in with doing a PhD because you wanted to learn, you wanted to grow, and you wanted to get around great coaches and ask them what they're doing to be successful. So, you know, Dr. Barry Davis, want to thank you for the opportunity to work with you and your program. Thank you for the opportunity for coming onto our podcast. And for our listeners, please make sure that you engage with and follow dr barry davis head baseball coach Ryder university on twitter his handle is at barry davis 42 at b a r r y d a v i s the number 42 dr barry davis thanks for being on the mental performance mastery podcast thank you for having me i really enjoyed it thanks for listening to the brian kane mental performance podcast on the ironclad content network If you liked the show, be sure to leave us a rating and a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Brian Kane Peak. I'll see you next time.